قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم المسلم من سلم المسلمون من لسانه ويده او كما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم one of the very important things is always to keep refreshing our intention refreshing our intention in terms of why we have embarked on a particular amal we are presently gathered here why are we gathered what is our purpose so this is something that we have to keep refreshing keep checking within ourselves so what is the purpose of a dini gathering of this nature is it for the purpose of just passing some time obviously not is it for the sake of just enjoying something that too is not going to be of any benefit if it is just for the sake of enjoyment because something for the sake of enjoyment is only for the extent of that particular issue a person eats something to enjoy it as soon as he is is gone past his tongue that's end of the enjoyment a person is sitting and looking at some scenery once he wakes up from there is over he was there enjoying the beautiful scenery of the whatever the mountains and the valleys and so on once he wakes up from there that's all gone it's the end of it so if the intention is something of that nature then obviously as soon as a person wakes up from a gathering of deen that is where everything will finish off is the intention for participating in a deeni gathering in order to gain some reward some sawab so indeed that will be the case a person has participated in a deeni amal for the sake of allah taala he'll definitely get rewarded and very great rewards come for the person who participates in some deeni gathering in the hadith sharif nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam says that the malaika the angels of allah taala they throng around the gatherings where allah taala is remembered and they then gather in this way right all the way up to the heavens and allah taala then asked them that what is it he says that we have come from this kind of gathering where your servants have gathered what are they asking for say they are asking for jannat have they seen jannat say no they haven't seen jannat what if they had to see jannat say they will obey you even more so what are they fearing they are fearing jahannam first is what are they desiring they are desiring jannat what are they fearing they are fearing jahannam have they seen jahannam they know they haven't seen jahannam they haven't seen it and they are still fearing it what if they had to see it see they will flee away and be totally far away from sins even more and what are they begging for they are begging for your forgiveness allah taala says i make you witness i have forgiven them all so indeed there will be great rewards but is that the only purpose so reward and sawab is possible to attain in many many ways 
a person reciting Quran Sharif will get reward also. A person sitting with the tasbih and reciting some tasbih will also get rewarded. So all these are acts of reward. The purpose of participating in a dini gathering is to reflect upon our weaknesses and to identify our weaknesses and to make an effort to then rectify it. That is the object. That the object of whether the person speaking, whether the person listening is to identify our weaknesses and then bring in the concern to rectify it and to take practical steps thereafter to rectify it. Then that purpose of gathering has been achieved. Otherwise, then the main, many things, alhamdulillah, will come along. The sawab will come. The benefits of being in a gathering of deen will come. In terms of the effects of being in good company, being in the house of Allah Ta'ala. But the actual objective that might get left behind. So this is something that requires first a conscious intention. A conscious intention, this is something which is a very powerful thing within a person. Allah Ta'ala has blessed insan with this ability to make an azam, a determination. And that azam is what drives him to many things. People climb mountains and they get to the peaks of Everest. What makes a person do it? Where it starts off from? It starts from a determination, as futile as that may be. But it's a very difficult thing. So it's futile in reality. But the determination makes a person do it. So if a person makes a determination in terms of deen, in terms of acquiring the love of Allah Ta'ala, in terms of rectifying his weaknesses, then with that determination, then amal will follow. So this is the purpose that we need to keep refreshing in our hearts and minds, that we need to be reflecting, identifying our weaknesses, and then making an effort to rectify it. In this ayat of the Quran Sharif that was recited, Allah Ta'ala addresses the believers, not the disbelievers, Allah Ta'ala addresses the believers. Ya ayyuhal ladheena amanu. O you who believe. So the believers are being addressed, people who have iman, and they are being told, Udhulu fissilmi kafa. People who already have entered into iman, they are being addressed as people of iman, and they are being told, Udhulu fissilmi kafa. Enter into Islam fully. Enter into Islam fully. A person with Iman is being told, enter into Islam fully. Yes. One is that a person has brought Iman. He has believed in Allah Tabaraka wa Ta'ala. He has believed in Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam as the last and final messenger. All the fundamental beliefs, Alhamdulillah, that has brought him into Iman. But this iman then has various dictates, various demands from the person. Person got married. So that marriage at nikah took place in two statements, or one statement, Qabil Tuha, I've accepted her. After the whole, whatever was put forward to him, that so and so, I've given in your nikah in lieu of so much mahar, have you accepted? He says one word, I've accepted. One one line. The nikah is done. In response to that which was proposed to him, 
and he made that one statement, the nikah is done. But that nikah that got done in that one statement has a lot of demands behind it. That one statement brings a lot of responsibilities. And that one statement now will change his whole life. Says before a person gets married, he thinks about himself, one person. After he gets married, he has to think for three people. Three people, he has to think for himself, he has to think for him, for her, and then from his direction it will be for me, for her, and for us. Before you got married to one person only, worry about himself. I to worry about himself individually, her own individual situation, and the combined situation. His whole life will change, and it should change. And if it doesn't change, then there's something wrong. Then it means he hasn't understood what is the dictates of this nikah and the sacred bond that he has entered into. And on that occasion of that nikah, the ayat that are recited in that khutbah, the masnoon khutbah, وَاتَّقُوا اللَّهَ الَّذِي تَسَاءَلُونَ بِهِ وَالْأَرْحَامِ Fear Allah Ta'ala, in whose name you ask one another of favors, and fear the bonds of kinship. And now this is a particular bond that has been created, by means of this nikah. This bond Allah Ta'ala will question about, was the rights of this bond fulfilled? Or was it just a by the way thing that, Whenever there was a need of some sort, then that was taken care of. Otherwise, everything else, I'll do my own thing. So then this is something which is far away from the dictates of that, demands of that nikah that has taken place. So likewise, this iman, a person brought iman, mashallah, excellent, that is the key, that is the foundation. But now there are various demands of this iman. And that is what Allah Ta'ala is saying now, that now fulfill these demands. Become a complete mu'min by bringing yourself into Islam totally. Come so much into Islam that Islam comes into you. One is a person, he has earned a hundred rands. He's earned a hundred rands, but now he is claiming that I'm very wealthy. Everybody will say, fine, you got money, you got hundred rands. But your claim of being wealthy is laughable. You only own hundred rands in your whole total possession. By the end of the day, you won't have anything left. But while he is making that claim, can anybody deny that claim that he has wealth? But you don't call him wealthy still. But he has wealth. But that wealth is such that it can't do really anything for him. By the end of the day, he'll be back where he is. A person is lying on a hospital bed, he's paralyzed, something has happened, he's lost his sight, he's lost his hearing, he can't move one finger. But can anybody say that he is not alive? If somebody kills him after having gone in that condition, they say, no, we're feeling very sorry for him, rather now just send him off. That person will be charged for murder and his life will be taken in retaliation because there's life. But is this person, despite being living, is he capable of anything? So likewise, one is the basic level of Iman 
but that iman which doesn't have Islam with it, there's no salah in it, there's no zakat in it, there's no fasting in it, there's no hajj in it, and if these amal are present, they are present only in form. One is it's there, but it's only in form. Person has got a lot of notes, but it's all just counterfeit. There's a lion standing outside there. The person goes, everybody is going around it very close to it. How come there's a lion there? He comes close by, no, it's a stuffed lion. It's a stuffed lion, but now from far it looks as menacing as the real thing. But now it's a stuffed lion, it's a form. It's just a form. Now it's got no strength to do anything. It's got nobody, a child will come also and put his hand in the mouth. So what is the requirement is that there must be life in those amal. Now with this iman and together with that iman, Islam has come in reality. Now this iman and Islam will make a person's dunya also, it will make his akhirat as well. It will take him through the phases of qabr without any difficulty. It will take him through the phase of the day of qiyamah without difficulty inshallah. And it will take him directly to jannat. But otherwise, that Iman, inshallah, someday will definitely take him to Jannah. But he could have a very difficult passage all along. In dunya also, in the Qabr as well, on the day of Qiyamah, and Allah forbid through Jahannam. So what we want is that Iman that takes us directly to Jannah, that makes dunya also a place of good for us, and takes us directly to Jannah. For that Allah Ta'ala is saying, Ya ayyuhalladheena aamanu dkhulu fi silmi kaafa Enter into Islam fully So now the question is that why is a person not into Islam fully? Why he has to be told? This happens generally due to one of two things Generally due to one of two things he is not into Islam fully One is due to lack of knowledge a person is performing that salah, but he doesn't have the knowledge of performing it correctly. So now he is performing the salah, but that salah is getting nullified because of what he is doing wrong in it. He doesn't have the knowledge of how to do that salah properly. One person, pious person was passing somewhere. So somebody told him, look please, there is one person here with very bad habits. So why don't you try to advise him? Maybe he might come right. He's all involved in all these kind of vices. And one of the things that he's involved in is all the time committing haram, zina, etc. So in any case, he called him, spoke to him. Now he thought that, look, this is one thing now. I'm just passing here. I'll be gone just now in the next hour or so. Try and put this person on something which inshallah itself will become the means of him slowly then changing his whole life. So now that one thing should be what? So he told him and gave him the importance of salah. This person had never been concerned about salah his whole life, didn't even know how to perform salah. So he taught him in that short time properly how to perform salah and stressed the importance of that salah to him. And then as he was going, he quickly realized, I didn't teach this person wudu, but he taught him wudu also and went. Ashallah, he went. So now he had emphasized that salah really well. It's really set in this person's heart and mind. In any case, he went on. After some months he passed by the same place again. 
So he inquired, who is that person? I want to meet him. So they brought him. He says, you perform your salah? He said, yes, definitely. Ever since you came and went, I have never missed one salah. Then just as an afterthought, he asked him, and the wuzu, he says, well, that time when you came, you made me make wuzu. He never knew or never realized, or nobody that he didn't take that full message that wuzu will be necessary for every salah. So he carried on with all his haram also, but his wuzu didn't break still. He slept and woke up and did whatever he had to do in life, but his wuzu didn't break. Why? Because of this lack of knowledge. Now this is a very, very, maybe a little bit of a humorous example, but if we think about it within ourselves, there are so many things that we do which are completely wrong, but we don't know about it. Sometimes it's in our salah, sometimes it's in our other ibadat, sometimes it's in our muamalat, in our dealings, which is a very common problem. That we are doing a transaction, but the transaction is impermissible, it is haram, sometimes it is clear interest. Somebody has changed the word, somebody called it prophet. But that particular transaction is nothing but interest. And the person, because of the lack of knowledge, just takes it for granted and carries on with life. Now he's eating interests and he's feeling comfortable that no, I'm doing everything fine. Because this was Prophet, somebody said, he's going to be giving me, I must uh, lend him or rather give him so much of money and then after one month he'll give me 10% profit. On, on what? On that 100,000 rand. He'll give me 10% profit on that 100,000 rand, 10,000 rand he'll give me end of the year. So now 10,000 rand on 100,000 rand, what is this? Call it profit in any language, it will still be interest. Now there's details behind this, which don't have the time to go into now, and not the place to get into either. But the point is that due to lack of knowledge, a person is getting deep into haram, he doesn't know about it. In terms of his social life, there are so many things that he is doing, but he doesn't realize that what I'm doing is incorrect. He doesn't have the knowledge of it. He's never learned the details of Mu'asharat. And very basic things, simple things. For example, in one Hadith Sharif, Nabi Islam says, that if supposing there are three people sitting together, there are three people in one place, wherever they might be, in one gathering, out of the three people, two people decided to just speak something, whatever it might be, it might be just something that pertains to them alone. It's got nothing to do with the third person. But they should not secretly talk about anything aside from the third person. They want to do something of that nature, they have something to speak which is totally secret and they don't want to include him, then they must do it after that gathering is over. But while only three people are present, now they left one person aside and speaking to two people, this is something which Nabi Islam has forbidden. Why? So shaitan will now put waswasa in that person's heart. That perhaps something about me, why? Three of us here, two are speaking and I am left alone, something about me is probably spoken. It's wrong for him to jump to that conclusion. But it is wrong for these people to do something that puts the waswasa in his heart. Both are wrong. But now this became the means of that. Once Nabi Wasallam was in atikaf in the masjid, and Hazrat Safiya radiallahu ta'ala anha, she had just come for some work or whatever. So Nabi Islam then saw her off till the door. After the door now, he won't leave because he's in etikaf. 
as he's at the door, his wife is there standing alongside, and two Sahaba happen to just pass by. As they passed by, Nabi Salaam said, just hold on, Allah Rislikuma. Innaha Safiya. Listen, this is my wife Safiya radiallahu This became a very heavy thing on them. They were very, very taken aback by this. And they said, Subhanallah. That Subhanallah said a lot. Meant that could we ever have imagined that this would be somebody other than your wife? You are the Nabi of Allah Ta'ala. Could we have ever entertained such a passing thought as well? That this could be somebody else? Nabi Islam said, Inna shaitana yajri fi ahadikum majraddam. That I was afraid shaitan will put some waswasa in your heart because he flows in you like blood flows in your veins. So now Nabi Islam up front said something that will prevent any waswasa coming. Though they would not have entertained it in terms of the Nabi of Allah wa ta'ala, but in this way he gave a lesson to the Ummah. That one is, it's wrong for the person to unnecessarily jump to conclusions without any basis to make any kind of judgment. But at the same time, it's wrong for somebody to create that suspicion. A person has got his phone locked all the time. He, his wife dare not touch it. And if she did, dares touch it, then he will perhaps touch her very hard. So now what is this? He says, well, this is my business. Because I got all my business in here. Allah knows what, what business he's got there. And now if this is not going to create some doubt, what else is going to create? So now he is doing something. It's obviously wrong for the next party to entertain that kind of waswasa. It's wrong for that person to have this ill thoughts about somebody, to harbor any suspicions about somebody. This is wrong. But at the same time, it's wrong to conduct oneself in such a way that raises suspicion. That makes somebody feel suspicious. So now he's conducting himself in that way. He's not being transparent about it. And this zamana and time, this is something that should be the case. In terms of all this technology, there should be complete transparency between spouses. Because shaitan will keep whispering something. And besides that, shaitan will whisper something to prevent that. Together with that, the reality is that this too is a necessary deterrent. It's a necessary deterrent for anyone and everyone. For the person performing five times salah in the first saf also, for the person who is making tilawat of the Quran Sharif also, for the person who is making his tasbihat and zikr daily also, for the person involved in any work of deen also, for anyone and everyone, this is a necessary deterrent, together with many other deterrents that we have to have in place. That he has complete transparency in all these technology and devices. There should be no barrier whatsoever, especially between spouses. Otherwise, shaitan will start planting some seeds of doubt, some suspicions, and then he'll water that suspicions with various... just coincidental things. Be just a coincidental thing and that will now start adding fuel to the fire. Because already the seed has been planted. Now it just requires anything to water it. And in no time, something out of nothing there will be something. 
So now the issue was that this was an aspect of muasharat. That two people should not now separately talk something and leave the third person aside. But if a person doesn't know this, it's a lack of knowledge. That lack of knowledge will make him act in a way that is wrong. What that did now? It created doubt in the third person's mind. Now he starts now running with that in his mind. He starts running it within his mind. Again he sees something which is unrelated, but because of how he ran his mind, it all got linked up. And then he starts building that, as people build castles in the air, he'll start building his whole building in the air also. And before one knows it, he's already made a judgment, well this is actually what they were discussing. And all this relates to that one problem that my grandfather had with his grandfather 25 years ago. He already found a link with it. That my grandfather had a problem with his grandfather, that is what now he was taking out upon me. Whereas this bichara doesn't even know the problem the grandfather's had. But this is the work of it. But where it started off from the lack of knowledge that how should one conduct himself in society. Now this is just one example out of numerous issues. But the lesson in this is the lack of knowledge where it leads to. It leads to a person's ibadat getting spoiled. It leads to his muamalat. Sometimes he's indulging in blatant haram and he's quite happy about it. He feels everything is fine. And now that haram is coming into the system. That haram is coming into his children's bellies. And when haram comes in the system, it's like poison now. Even if the person doesn't know he's eaten poison, but poison is poison. It'll start having its effects. Now that haram, haram begets haram. So that haram goes into the system, now there's haram thoughts. And haram thoughts now drive a person towards haram actions. Now his eyes only want to look at filth. His ears only want to listen to haram. And his heart is only, all the time, it's running the reel of haram all kinds of filth and dirt. And that's where he wants to go to. And that, that's what he wants to do. But often the root of it is, what is the earnings? What is one consuming? So it stemmed from the root of it was the lack of knowledge. Sometimes it's something else also. But these are, this is one of the issues, one of the root issues. The lack of knowledge. He didn't have the knowledge of Maasharat. Now we took one simple example, apart from that, there are numerous things. How does a person live as a human being, as an insan? What are the basic human values that requires knowledge? What is the way a mu'min conducts himself with his parents? وَلَا تَقُلْ لَهُمَا أُفِّهُ وَلَا تَنْهَرْهُمَا وَقُلْ لَهُمَا قَوْلًا كَرِيمًا وَاخْفِضْ لَهُمَا جَنَاحَ الذُّلِّ مِنَ الرَّحْمَةِ وَقُلْ رَبِّ رَحَمْهُمَا كَمَا رَبَّيَانِي صَغِيرًا The Quran Sharif gives all the details how to conduct oneself with one's parents, with utmost humility, speaking to them in a humble way, never saying oof to them, no matter what. If they are wrong, they are wrong, that's between them and Allah Ta'ala. That is their issue with Allah Ta'ala. But that still doesn't give that child the license to also be wrong with them. That's their wrong. Their wrong doesn't justify the child's wrong. Doesn't give license to somebody else for being wrong also. So now this requires that knowledge of how to conduct oneself with one's parents. How does a person be just 
and fulfill the rights to his, of his wife. This Nabi Salaam says that, listen, you have taken them in the name of Allah Ta'ala. Akhastum bi amanillah. Wastahlaltum furujahunna bi kalimatillah. Aw kama qala Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. This is in the name of Allah Ta'ala that you have taken them. So now the name of Allah Ta'ala is a very great thing. When somebody was totally haram to even look at, now she became his life partner. What made that change? It was on the name of Allah Ta'ala. So now Allah Ta'ala is going to now ask about this on the day of Qiyamah. Now this is a whole chapter of Muasharat. Whole chapter of social life. Now a person doesn't know what pertains to him in this regard, how he's supposed to conduct himself. And like that, these are just one or two things, every other thing in life. So one of the root issues is the aspect of lack of knowledge. And the other thing is the lack of courage. One is lack of knowledge, the other is a lack of courage. One example, the time of Fajr, it's a very cold winter morning. So now that courage is not there to wake up and leave the bed. It's so cold and I'm going to have to leave the home. The courage is not there. But the root of that lack of courage is a lack of the fear of Allah. Ta'ala. That lack of courage, the himmat, that is missing because of the lack of the fear of Allah. Ta'ala. When the fear of Allah Ta'ala is there, then that courage will be there with it. And when that courage is missing, that himmat is, now a person will start trying to chop and change. Trying to now make things suit himself. Our room Rahmatullah gives an example. One person saw somebody with a tattoo of a lion. Haram to make any tattoos obviously. This is an example now. He's teaching us a lesson out of it. So he saw a person with this tattoo of the lion. So he was fascinated about how this lion is drawn on this person, he decided he also wants it. So he went along to somebody, he found out who does this. So he said, what do you want to do? He said, I want this lion tattooed on me. He says, very well. So in any case, where you want to have tattooed on my back? So fine. Now he lay down. After a while now this person started. So as soon as he placed the needle, this person shrieked in pain. He says, what are you doing? He says, well I started drawing the lion. See, where you started drawing from? See, I started from the tail. He says, well, this lion is not going to have to chase flies away. So if you leave the tail out, it won't matter. Do something else. Start off somewhere else. So in any case, this person now, after starting again now, he, as soon as he applied the needle, he shrieked again. So he says, now, what, what are you doing now? He says, now I, now, I started drawing the leg. So well, this lion is not going to walk around. So if you don't draw the legs, what is going to matter? They'll leave that leg out. Very well. So then he started again. The third time again now. See what, again he felt the pain. Say, what are you doing now? So he said, no, I started with the head. So he said, well, this lion, if he doesn't have a head, doesn't matter, it will fi- be fine also. So that person took that needle of his and he threw it on the floor. He says, Allah Ta'ala also didn't create a lion like this. That a lion doesn't have a tail, doesn't have any legs, doesn't even have a head. And you still call it a lion? And you still want a lion tattooed? Allah Ta'ala also didn't create a lion like this. But the lesson in this is that we want deen. We want to claim we are in deen. We want to claim we have complete deen. 
But in that complete deen, we want to make so many exceptions for ourselves. Our salah will make it as we want it, when we want it. If it will suit us to make it with jamaat, fine, well, well and good. Otherwise, make it in our own time. And if it becomes qaza, we'll, well, fine, we'll do it whenever it is. But as Allah Ta'ala says, إِنَّ الصَّلَاةَ كَانَتْ عَلَى الْمُؤْمِنِينَ كِتَابًا مَوْقُوتًا That there are specified times for that salah. And it must be done in that specified time. And for males it's wajib to perform it with salah, with the jama'ah. So now we want to make that exception. A person wants to make exceptions for himself in his business, of how he does his business, what he'll do and what he won't do. And in this 20th century now, how can a person run his business without interest? This is not possible, so now he wants to make that exception. So leave this interest law out of the nawazubillah. And somebody wants to in the mu'asharat and the laws of shariat of pertaining to social life, but all this parda and all these things, this doesn't make sense. Can't, na'uzubillah, can't work in this time and age. So leave this out. So now that too is something which that needle now is paining. The needle pain on the interest matter. The needle is now paining on the parda issue. So now this is all, where you came out with all these things. And now you're breaking up the family. So the person who is doing right is breaking up the family. The person who is doing wrong is making the family. Nay, we are breaking up a relationship with Allah Ta'ala. The first bond to be cautious about and to maintain and keep up is the bond and relationship with Allah Ta'ala. And together with that, then whatever within that Allah Ta'ala's dictates are, then every other bond will also be maintained within that. Otherwise, it doesn't make sense to cut off the bond of Allah Ta'ala to maintain another bond. So now wherever that needle is paining, we say leave this out. Wherever that needle is causing some kind of pain for us, leave this out. So this lack of courage, which is due to the lack of the fear of Allah Ta'ala. So these are the two root issues. So if these are the two root issues, then we have to have two solutions obviously. The solution to the lack of knowledge is very simple and straightforward. We have to start learning. We have to go to the ulama ikram from authentic people. This is the very crucial thing that we go to those who have authentic ilm. Otherwise the claimants of ilm, there are many. But what is being given in reality could be something far from deen. In one hadith, Nabi Salaam said, that inna akhwafa ma akhafu alaykum ba'di kullu munaf kullu munafiqin alim lisan among the things i fear most for my ummah after me is every hypocrite who has a very knowledgeable tongue there's knowledge on his tongue there's hypocrisy in his heart his heart he has got some aspects in his heart which are far from deen and that is what he will bring out. But in the midst of a lot of knowledgeable things that he will say, and in a very eloquent manner, in a very captivating way. But what is he dispensing? Is eventually he is dispensing that nifaq of his heart. And this to Hazrat Umar an, once one person came from Basra, Qais, Ahnaf bin Qais, he was a very, very senior person in that area he was a tabi'i and Sayyida Ahlil Basra the imam of the time of the people of Basra very knowledgeable when he came to Madinah Manawara for the first time Umar Nano saw this person's abilities his capabilities mashallah his knowledge 
He told him, you know what, you stay away here for one year. And subhanallah, he didn't even ask anything. He said, okay, fine, he stayed away. He didn't come for that amount of time. He came for a short period of time. He stayed over for the whole year. Hazrat Umar told him that every day, all you do is you come to me every morning and every evening and whatever we need to discuss, we'll discuss. Meaning, whatever I ask you, you answer or you tell me what you want to tell me. Morning and evening for this whole year, this is what you come and do. And after this whole year passed, Hazrat Umar one day asked him now, that, do you know why I asked you to stay over? So his reply, subhanallah, his reply, he says, no, I don't know. And he never asked why you want me to stay behind. What is the reason? Is this something that you want to know of me? or what is? He didn't ask any questions. He said, come on, fine, I submit to it. This was that level of submission. Any case after this whole year passed, Umar then said to him, that this was what I heard from Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa that the thing I fear for my ummah is every hypocrite who, who has a knowledgeable tongue. And then he's saying to him directly that I was afraid that perhaps you are also not one of them. But now after this whole year has passed, I now carefully examined and scrutinized you. In the whole time, this is what I was doing. I was really going to every detail. But now that this whole year has passed, I am satisfied I have this hope, inshallah, that no, you are a genuine person. You are a true mu'min. Can we imagine somebody telling us to our face, I was worried you also are munafiq. That person may never get a chance to say to anybody else again. He might not even get a chance to make toba from a statement of his. But he accepted that that this was for my rectification or whatever. And after that one year, Hazrat Umar now said to him, now you may go and you may continue doing what you used to do. Advising people and giving talks of deen, etc. Teaching deen after this one year of scrutiny. So the point in this is that to acquire this knowledge from those who have acquired it authentically. From that unbroken chain going up to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa so this is the, and in all the branches of deen, regarding our ibadat, to learn how to rectify our salah, are we performing our salah correctly? When last did we ask somebody, some alim, somebody to check, am I performing my salah correctly? This is how I'm making my salah, you watch, and wherever I'm doing something wrong, please correct me. This is what I'm reciting in my salah, my tashahud, my durood, the suratul fatiha that I'm reciting, am I pronouncing the words correctly? the surahs that I am reciting. And likewise all the other aspects of our ibadat. My mu'amala, this is how I am running my business. These are the deals I am doing. This is how I run my social life. This is how I conduct myself at home. This is my life with my parents. Is there some adjustment that I need to make in all this? And this is how the other aspects of my life are. To find out what is applicable to me. Hazrat Umar would not allow a person to trade in the bazaar of Madina Munawwara until he had learned the laws of business pertaining to him, to his trade. So now to seek that knowledge. And then as far as the aspect of the himmat is concerned, one is that we need to, like we give time for everything else. We have to make time, one is to make time daily, 
to ponder over this reality that Allah Ta'ala is going to question me about all my deeds. The day of Qiyamah is coming, I'm going to have to stand in front of Allah Ta'ala, how am I going to answer what I did today? How am I going to give an answer for all these things? Yesterday, what what I did? Do I have an answer for it? In the court of Allah Ta'ala, will I be able to give an answer? In dunya, I can give many, many answers, many excuses, and work myself out of anything. But will this work on the day of, to talk to oneself, within oneself, in a dedicated manner? This is what's termed muraqaba, give it any name, reflection, pondering. But this is an extremely effective thing if a person does it dedicatedly. Every day, without fail, in a period of time, this will start having a dramatic effect on his heart. How am I using my eyes? Am I going to be able to answer for this on day of Qiyamah? These eyes which Allah Ta'ala blessed me with such a great na'mat, and how am I using it? What did I speak? Is this tongue, Allah Ta'ala's na'mat that He gave me, is it for using for all this wrong talk? And like that, one thing after the other, to think about it, ponder deeply. Think about the punishments of the various sins. This lying that I'm involved in, speaking lies blatantly, on the day of Qiyamah, which Nabi Islam was shown the azab, person who lies that his cheek with a hook was being torn all the way to his ear, and then the other cheek, and by the time the other cheek was being torn to the ear, the first cheek came to its original condition, and then the same process was being repeated. Can we imagine a slight scratch is something not bearable? What about the cheek being ripped open? Actually picture the scene, we can never picture the reality, but we can picture something. To surround and picture the thing. This is the situation, am I, can I bear this? So I cannot bear it, I have to give up, make Toba from this now. So to ponder over this very deeply, very well. And then the other very effective thing, very crucial thing in this is, the aspect of pious company. To be in the company of the pious, and to be in the right environments. The environments of deen, the environments of iman, of yaqeen, where the greatness of Allah Ta'ala is being spoken about all the time, where this iman is being boosted, then this will develop the fear of Allah Ta'ala. So when this fear of Allah Ta'ala has been developed, and this knowledge has been acquired, then inshallah, then we will be able to enter into Islam fully. Then we will be able to make amal on this, Ya ayyuhal ladheena amanu dhkhulu fi silmi kaffa. But without this knowledge, then there is no hope that we will even get anywhere because we don't know what to get into. And having the knowledge, but not having this fear of Allah Ta'ala, despite the knowledge, the person won't go anywhere. He'll have all the knowledge, and he'll still go against what he has learned. So this fear of Allah Ta'ala is then the crucial thing, and that comes in the way that we have described. Allah Ta'ala, give me also the tawfiq, and all of us, Allah Ta'ala, keep us with iman, take us with iman, and raise us on the day of Qiyamah with iman. وآخر دعوانا الحمد لله رب العالمين